This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. I saw one person's um, TikTok who was reacting to these videos, and he made so many fantastic points. But one of his was that white women's tears are one of the most dangerous weapons Mm. in the world right now. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So today's essential question is, to what extent should we pay attention to the intersection of white supremacy, religious fundamentalism, just plain crazy, and TikTok? Uh, Megan, what the heck? Why are we even talking about this today? I mean, the world does not really revolve around TikTok. I mean, I mean, I don't think it does. I know some people's world revolves around TikTok. Mine does. (laughs) Yours does. For sure. But I mean, isn't talking about like some of these weird, uh, maybe I shouldn't use the word weird to start us off today, but isn't discussing some of these like odd subsects of society, like just shining a light on something that should be ignored? Is it elevating something that we should just be like brushing off to the side? That's a really good question. Um, I think that it's important to know what is going on and what is being said and having conversations, not necessarily um, arguing or screaming into the void of people that believe these things, but understanding the current climate in our country and, and having honest, intelligent conversations about why um, these subsects are popping up, right? What is it about our current society or current communities that are creating these extremisms, right? This, these Mm -hmm. ideas of, in this case, very much ignoring science, very much, um, pushing misinformation out to the public that then perpetuates really damaging and harmful and scary ideas to the communities. So I think having a conversation about that, right, being aware that it's going on, especially because we exist in these silos um, and oftentimes are so isolated and only hearing things that um, reinforce our own biases. True. I mean, the only reason that I came across these um, these things on social media and TikTok is was not because these TikToks were popping up on my page, but it was from people that were duetting it um, mm. or reacting to these videos. And yeah. so that's how I became aware. It's not like these were showing up on my page. It was like people that I follow or like the reactions to these videos were popping up. What you're telling me that you don't actually follow hashtag whatever Christian extremist hashtag white supremacy on TikTok? No, um, believe it or not, I do not. Um, which is, you know, shocking. <laughs> um, that my silo on TikTok, my TikToks that I'm on, those types of videos don't just naturally pop up for me. Mm. 
And so I think maybe some background for our listeners that maybe are unaware of what we're talking about or referencing is that there there's this new trend on social media and maybe new is a really like, it's really been since... It's a loose term. Um, I would say since January, it really has heightened. Um, wait, wait, is, was there an event that happened in January weird, that was right? related I, to like white supremacy and like fundamentalism an, just, and just, Christianity yeah, in America? Just like an itty bitty insurrection, you know? What was that? Oh, you know, oh just that's an, right. Just an itty bitty January 6th insurrection um, that... Um, far-right Republicans are refusing to investigate right now. Mm. But don't worry, they really pushed the recounting of ballots in Mm. Arizona. um, Priorities, people. Priorities. Priorities. Um, But it's, so it's, so this trend where, and and it's predominantly very young, um, far-right, extreme, fundamentalist Christians are role-playing and acting um, when I say I started, when I, I mean, when I first sent these or talked to you about these videos, it was like, they are role-playing scenarios where they're being forced to either choose to take the vaccine or die. And when you first told me, let's talk about Christians role-playing, I was like, shirt, <laughs> what? Like yeah. I immediately went like LARPing or like Comic-Con. And then when you were like role-playing and I was like, what are you talking about? Anyway, yes. keep going. Yeah. And it's, so it's something, it's a trend on TikTok, right? Where it's, they call it the P- POVs, point of views, where people like act out these scenarios. But in this particular group, they're acting it out. They're crying to the camera, like sobbing. There's dramatic music playing mm. in the background. And then they say, no, I'm not going to get the vaccine. Um, and they're, and, and then the next the next cut scene is them like disheveled and blood, like fake blood all over their faces and bruises and their hairs all matted. Um, that's a lot of effort, by the way, it's like so just for effort, a TikTok, Right. That's and a then lot you, of effort. so I like I think I sent you the most popular, most famous mm. one and it was we'll linked to it. It made me go, what the F? Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. I was like, is this real? Yeah, it's it is real. It is real. And whether the whether the creators that have hundreds of thousands of followers genuinely believe it or not, they are putting it out to an audience. Mm. Right? Like th- this is being seen by like hundreds of thousands of people that right. theoretically are either believe the same things or being influenced by those things. And and so just to like and it, like to full circle that there's some other like the Hunger Games anti-vaxxers, the, like the whistling with the fingers. That's so talk about thing. this because um, I I don't I think like I remember a kid referencing and passing, but I really never looked into it. Um, so what's this? Hunger so Games? now they're and I shouldn't say there. So now fundamentalist. Um, far right Christians are utilizing the Hunger Games whistle, like signaling to each other that they are um, not vaccinated and that they believe that they are going to be the sole survivors on earth 
um, and that everybody that received the vaccine will eventually die and that they will be the victors or not, maybe not the victors, but they will be the survivors. Narrator, they're the ones who died. So there's this (laughs) parallel where there has been um, a lot of connection between the vaccine and the mark of the beast, right? Which is oh yeah, um, from Christianity, and and that's where the like either take the vaccine or die. That's the motivation behind saying no. Is the in the role play is um, that connection between fundamental fundamentalist Christians and this far right extremist conservative movement. Yeah. And to be clear to listeners, as we get into this, specifically, we're talking about far right Christian fundamentalists in the United yes. States. So like setting the parameters for the discussion. Yeah. Also, and, and, oh, both ahead. Megan and I understand that this is like an extremist subset. Yeah. Um, and as somebody who identifies as Christian myself, I feel like I can talk a lot of crap about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So because I'm a Jace, but like not there. Obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I appreciate you bringing that up because this is such a small subsect of Christianity. It is not representative of the faith as a whole. Um, they are extremists, right? That, that are pu- pushing really harmful and dangerous narratives on um, social media platforms that have very young um, mm. followers. And, and so thinking about um, the influence on those young followers. And I think that's my question at the top of this is, you know, why talk about something if it's such a, you know, bizarre, like tiny, small population. Um, And I think it's to your point, right? Like even small groups have a lot of powerful influence. And I I think there's something to be said about the fact that um, we have like, this is still, I don't want to say allowed, but like some of these more fringe kind of ideologies have are working their way into the mainstream. Um, I'm thinking even like recently in some of the reporting that's happened around where COVID started and, you know, like in a Chinese lab and stuff that was considered fringe is now part of a like larger welcoming conversation. That's a little bit more mainstream. Or I think about QAnon, right? A year ago, QAnon was like a few randos in the corner being weird. And then now it's like, oh, we've got, you know, legislators and senators who are like QAnon, whatever, whatever. Right. And so I think there's a little bit of that um, that's important to this conversation. Yeah. I I think that um, I, I'm actually, as you were talking, I thought about a couple of things. First, it made me think of our last episode, um, with Nate around cancel culture mm. and how we talked about the value of social media and how the rise of social media has given the voice to the, um, marginalized, like opinions and feelings. It's, it's one of their only ways that marginalized communities can hold people in power accountable for their right. like shitty behavior. Mm. Um, But the other, the flip side of it is that the rise of social media has also allowed these very small extremists to push their ideas and misinformation into the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's given a platform to these ideas that otherwise would have, I think, probably stayed on the fringe. Like you've used that Mm -hmm. word before, right? That fringe where it's like all of a sudden it's being brought into the mainstream. And right. It would have stayed campfire conversation. It would yeah. have stayed, you know, like over dinner conversation rather than picking up, up steam. And so I think, I mean, as we talk about it, I am conscious of, yeah, just that tension, right? How do we understand, be aware so that we can 
I don't want to say squash it, but you know what I mean? And then at the same time, squash it, um, at the same time, understanding just those dynamics out there. I mean, what is your initial reaction when you started finding these? Because you obviously um, Mm -hmm. got into it earlier. Honestly, I mean, my obviously my first initial reaction was like, (laughs) what am I watching? Like, what is what? Is this, it was Do you remember wild. the, what are those meme? It's kind of like, what are those? Except, no, what are those? You don't, you're too I young don't. for what are those? Oh my I'm gosh, so I just sorry. aged myself. I'm so sad right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Nobody remembers like eight years ago, probably. It was like the shoes. And then there was a whole like, I think it was a vine initially. It was oh, one of the OG see, memes. Yeah. It was like, yeah. what are those? And you're like looking at someone's sh- vine. Oh Is my it was gosh. All, so when you said shoes, I thought of the YouTube. Remember when like YouTube was first starting and it was like, oh my God, shit shoes shoes that like youtube video that went viral yeah no we're going way off topic we're going on a tangent <laughs> loop us back um <laughs> but so like i had that initial like mm. what in the world and then i think that we and and i'll say we myself as um the royal we the royal we the, like the liberal side right I am I am absolutely liberal I vote democrat um I have watched the march of the republican party move further and further and further away from the um conservative ideologies um and and that's why I have a hard time calling it the far right conservatives mm. anymore anyways because I don't believe that that's what we're witnessing. I I don't believe that these individuals are conservatives because conservatives believe in a very small government, as small a federal government as possible. I don't believe they want small government. I think that they want the government to enforce their own agenda, right? Mm -hmm. They have an idea of what they want the government to do. Um, And so I have a hard time with that, but I, I just, I saw how many people one had seen these videos and liked the videos. And I think right. that on the left, yeah. we think that these ideas are far more fringe than they actually are because we live in these silos. And so mm-hmm. it made me, it's what, I mean, I posed the idea of this episode to you because of it, of, you know, like what's happening? How have we gotten to this place um, this intersection of like misinformation, like really, really dangerous misinformation and, um, like that fundamentalist religion and like where, how did that happen? Right. And I think you're kind of getting at the kind of, what is the problem with this, right? Like it's one thing to take up TikTok. It's one thing to like put on makeup that looks, makes you look like you got beat up, I guess. Um, it's not like we don't have a tradition of role. I'm like saying this laughing, but obviously it's serious. Um, hopefully listeners know that (laughs) I just can't help it. Um, it's not really the issue of either role-playing either, right? Cause I was kind of unpacking like role-playing and simulations, right? I mean, a lot of folks are into Comic-Con. A lot of folks are into LARPing as much as you want to laugh when I say that. I mean, if you think about simulations are used all the time to teach people powerful lessons, we think about using in a classroom, Mm-hmm. I think about doctors and nurses are literally trained with, you know, mirroring what it would be like in the field. The military follows that. I mean, teachers and student teaching. Um, so when is it actually like crossing into the problematic thing? What about it is yeah. makes it the most problematic, do you think? The misinformation. I, I think um, 
absolutely the misinformation and pushing a really dangerous narrative of, because what they're doing is they're discouraging people from getting the vaccine. Right. And I think that we have seen the rise of the anti-vaxxers in this country, which that's been happening for the last several years. We all know that that was based off of falsified um, data that one right. doctor put out and lost his license. And it's been proven that that was false, um, mm-hmm. that he made it up. Um, and so the, this anti-vaxxer thing has been brewing, not necessarily connected to fundamentalist Christians, sure. right? Yeah. It wasn't. And, and so this anti-vaxxer movement, and then I think that with the, the rise of Trumpism, in this country, um, that's when the fundamentalist religion came over. And now with COVID, there's this like intersection of these anti-vaxxers, misinformation, and being attached to religion, which mm-hmm. I think makes it far more complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about um, for this episode is just kind of just the, I think for folks who are plugged into history and kind of thinking historically what has happened in American politics, I mean, you can look back at the 80s as kind of that turning point for the Christian right, becoming more of a political coalition. Um, we got the election of Ronald Reagan. You got the formation of the Christian coalition in 87. And so I think yeah. in that is kind of like some big picture turning points. And then we've mm-hmm. seen this gradual progression. Um, I think what has happened, as you pointed out, like under Trump or maybe kind of leading up to it, it's kind of revealed um, reveal this, this group that I think we would have considered very much fringe, like we've been talking about, but yet now they have a powerful leader who has given them validity, right. And nodding, I see you, I'm listening to you, whether it's through dog whistles or like explicit, um, recognition. And I think that's been part of, of the issue. Um, one thing, if you're interested in history and you're kind of a nerd about this kind of stuff, and you're specifically interested in the rise of religious fundamentalism in America, uh, Christianity, um, there's a really fantastic documentary called the power of nightmares. It came out in 04. And then again, in 05, it's BBC, I believe, but essentially it compares neoconservative movement in the U S with radical Islamists. And it's quite interesting because, I mean, extremists are going to be extreme, right? Fundamentalist groups essentially align up and you can, you know, put them in an order and be like, check, 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 check. And it doesn't really matter what religion you're talking about um, in terms of fundamentalism and how it manifests. Anyway, it's a really fabulous documentary. And I think it'll really challenge um, your internal notions of like what extremist groups look like and what is, you know, what does that look like in terms of politics And frankly, I think it challenges folks' notion. um, How do I say this nicely? Like, I think in the U.S., we we don't understand a a lot of folks who have no connection to Islam or Muslims don't really understand um, just the range that that is like like, like in all faiths. And so I want to say this, like, it'll help challenge your own biases that you never even realized you had. Right. Mm-hmm. So like things you might internalize around Christianity, maybe you're like never even identify as Christian or anything, but you're just it's just something that you've heard this whole time. And so anyway, it'll challenge some of those notions. Um, and maybe for folks who are listening, they actually mm-hmm. have thought about this. But I, I found it really useful for thinking about it in that way. And what's the name of that again? Uh, the Power of Nightmares. Power of Nightmares. I yeah. have not heard of that. That sounds fascinating because I think your your comment about like extremists are going to extreme like it's not. Christianity either right it mm-hmm. is it is throughout history like just the mm-hmm. history of the world you have seen people that have 
really purely evil intentions for power mm-hmm. capitalize on people's faith in order right. to push their own agenda. Right. Right. And I like you bring up the 80s and the rise of um, the Christian right. And I think that's such a fantastic point because that's truly when um, the Republican Party became the party for Christians was, mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I teach my students about how um, the South was held by the Democratic Party since Andrew Jackson yeah. until like 72. And there was this, it was, um, I mean, it was a whole thing starting with the New Deal, but Ultimately, in the 80s, it was Roe v. Wade happened, and there was this crisis of faith that happened in um, Christian Democrats, and the Republican leaders, um, Newt Gringich, saw an opportunity, and that's when they kind of decided they were going to create this platform in the Republican Party to capture those those Democrats that were having a crisis of faith due to the decision of Roe v. Wade and the support Mm -hmm. that the Democratic Party gave to that. Um, So it's just, I I think, really wanting to emphasize that, that it's um, people being manipulated by Mm -hmm. people with power that are trying to grab more power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you're talking, it made me think about, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Slow Burn podcast, but they did a whole series, maybe five or six episodes, I can't remember, um, on the rise of David Duke. And just, again, the same kind of thing, like, Mm -hmm. oh, everyone thought he was weird, but we kept asking him questions, and then we kept inviting him to talk on our show, and then he got elected to whatever, and then we gave him another platform. (laughs) It's just like the classic story of... Um, you know, white supremacy taking, moving from, I don't know. Yeah. Just moving from the outer circle and being accepted as part of the norm. Um, Is there something, you know, specific about this brand of white supremacy that you're seeing in these TikTok videos that you think it's a manifestation of an anti, anti anti-vax, anti-mask folks? Well, I think, I genuinely think it's the, um, one, it's, it's just the rejection of science. Mm -hmm. Um, is massive. I think um, there's this great Twitter thread that Nate pointed me to by Matthew Sheffield. It's fantastic. We'll have it linked in the show notes. Um, But one of his tweets in this thread is, in the suffocating intellectual climate, truth is not what you can prove, but what but that which you can force others to accept. This mentality is why Trump's pathological lying and malignant personality has been so deeply embraced by fundamentalist conservatives. Um, And so it's this this, um, linking of the misinformation and the agenda of politicians wanting power, wanting to influence policy to benefit capitalism and to benefit billionaires with fundamentalist religion. And, and then another quote from this really great article that I was reading, um, in preparation for this episode, um, is linking misinformation to religion can be difficult to combat because a person may feel like they are being attacked for their Mm. religious beliefs. And, um, that was said by Kalina Cole Tai, a vaccine misinformation researcher with the University of Washington Center for an Informed Public. And I think that that gets at the heart of what makes this brand of white supremacy so 
difficult, not only for the public to navigate, but really the platforms to navigate Mm -hmm. that these ideas are being perpetuated on is because it's a, it's shaky ground of, well, what's, religion and the practice mm-hmm. like the the cornerstone of the country of like this freedom of religion and people are able to practice whatever faith that they want but but not allowing misinformation to be spread on your platform it's yeah well we have freedom of speech but not freedom for platform right yeah you don't have access to you know these microphones and let's talk about private companies we've talked about this before on the show yeah um there's nothing that says facebook has to allow you to do this thing it's not your free speech to like post on facebook um, exactly. just a misunderstanding around that but to your point it's interesting to think about how private companies are wrestling with that because i think one there's a lot of you know misunderstanding so people are like bashing them a little bit around it right and so of course there's a public image tiktok wants to have facebook instagram whatever or Twitter mm-hmm. in terms of being like, oh, we allow these things. And then also, how do you make sure, is there a moral responsibility that these companies have in terms of not spreading misinformation? Um, I noticed yeah. one of the things that changed what this last year, I can't remember when it started, but when they started having the tags um, around COVID information, yeah. right? So anytime you mention it, it's like, do, 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 do. pay attention, go look at the mm-hmm. real thing, you know? And I love it because it actually, at first I was like, what is this? But then I actually really like it because it, it just kind of checks everything. It doesn't matter if you're just randomly being like COVID hit me today, or if you're like posting an article, it's still alerts. Um, and I think that's, it's an interesting, I don't know how effective it is per se, but I'm glad that we're doing that kind of thing. Yeah. I, and I think that, I think more and more we're seeing social media platforms stepping up to be, to be fair, Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and all of the social medias, they have banned the connection between like any reference to the vaccine and the mark Mm. of the beast. They've banned certain hashtags. I think though, um, with the blocking of Trump and some other notable public figures on these platforms, Twitter and Facebook, um, I think they're becoming more comfortable with really challenging that freedom of speech and like regulating what's misinformation that's spread on their platforms. I think that um, freedom of religion is more difficult, right? And and I say that and I, I truly, it's like not the government, right? So civil liberties, protections between citizens and the government. But I think that religion is something that platforms are just not as comfortable regulating as they are with just pure speech. Hmm. Um because I think that it's a bit trickier. It's, it's, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I think that they're getting there in terms of being able to separate what is misinformation, dangerous misinformation and um, like religious beliefs. But when mm-hmm. those are overlapped, which I think that's been intentionally done by pretty evil people, um, that it makes it more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break and then um, we'll come back and continue the conversation. Hi, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by the Lavender Rights Project. Lavender Rights Project is a Black-led LGBTQ organization on a mission to make a more just and equitable society. The organization offers legal services, education, and other cool programs that break down barriers and help everyone, but marginalized communities in particular, protect their rights. This cool organization is hosting a Pride convention very soon. 
So join the Lavender Rights Project from June 11th to June 13th for their first Pride convention. The theme is Setting You Up for Success. There will be a variety of panels for LGBTQ plus folks and allies, including ballroom culture, founded families, budgeting for beginners, youth poets, name change clinics, and so much more. There is a small fee for each day of the conference and free tickets for those unable to pay. But either way, you need to reserve your spot now. Go to lavenderrightsproject.org to sign up for this awesome Tacoma event. My thanks to the Lavender Rights Project for sponsoring this episode and for their service to the Tacoma community. And we're back. Um, One of the things I was thinking a little bit about more at the break is I think something that makes this unique in the United States um, and as a manifestation of white Americans, white American Christians, is also the addition of American exceptionalism. And so I find that this particular brand of get all the categories, (laughs) far right, (laughs) um, fundamental Christian, white American exceptional racist, white supremacist, whatever, all the plus, plus, plus. All the things. all the things. I, and I think that's part of it. Right. So I, I don't think I, I, we're OK. I'm just going to, you know, throw out my own personal opinion here. Mm-hmm. But like you're not necessarily seeing that from white folks the same way in Europe. I mean, obviously, I'm not deep diving. We're staying in, in the lanes of the United States. But I think there's this American exceptionalism. Right. So you've also yes. in addition to, you know, having this piece around, um, you know, religious expression. You also have this, this thing around like people not want to be told what to do. Americans hate when everyone tells them what to do, but wants to tell the entire world what to do, generally speaking. Right. And so I think there's that part of it that's like a, you know, a resistance. And so to me, those videos, when I was watching them, I really was thinking about these folks feeling like, you know, they're being shut down, whether it's speech or religion <laughs> or whatever it is. And I think part of the problem is also like this desire to be persecuted. Yes. <laughs> So like full disclosure, like the concept of the persecuted church and persecuted for your faith is, is deep in Christianity. It's deep in actually quite a few faiths um, that I've studied. And it's just this notion that like, you know, people, if you have a faith and you believe in it, right. Some people are going to say that it's wrong and you're going to get some pushback, right. You might get some pushback. That's okay. Be strong. Da, 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 da. Right. But there's a difference between that and like persecution culture, right. Folks who are like, Oh my gosh, um, I'm being persecuted because you know, my rights, my, this, my, that. And I feel like there's, that's part of that overlap. Like even from folks who aren't necessarily like religious, I still think Americans have this interest, white Americans in particular have this interesting thing around wanting to feel like persecuted. And I think part of it stems from like a reaction to the conversation around actually marginalizing and harming people of color. Yes. And so when you and I are texting, you had this really great line. You're like, <laughs> white Americans have this like greedy and needy sense of wanting their fair share of persecution. Yes. Right. You ever, like, do you want to talk more about that? Yeah. Like you, oh my gosh, when we were talking about this episode, you were talking about this idea and it just resonated so much with me. And it just connects like, um, my background in like the narrative kind of therapy side of things of like, that's the story that you tell yourself is your reality. And we've talked so much about it of like white people are used to being either the heroes or the victims. And (laughs) you were saying it, I'm like, yeah, like white people are so greedy and needy that they must have their fair share of even persecution. 
Like yeah. they like even the victim only when I it. choose to have it though, right? Because I don't oh, want well, yeah. it the rest. Like I don't want it when it's like for real. Well, I mean, it's only me, performative. Even, right. You even, you even go back to like Rachel Dolezal, right? She like wants yeah. to be black when it behooves her and she can like run the NAACP in Spokane and have cute hair or whatever she thinks. But then to like actually have right, but then actually to have like be um, you know, not have access to a job, be paid less than the average, you know, white woman, whatever it may be, like, oh my bad, you know, get rid of the person. (laughs) Like I'm fine. I don't want all that stuff. I saw Um, one person's um TikTok who was reacting to these videos and he made so many fantastic points. But one of his was that white women's tears are one of the most dangerous weapons mm, in the world right now. And I just think of like that Central Park woman who like called the mm. called nine one one on the black man who asked her to put her dog on the le- on leash. Good old Amy Park. Cooper, and she just like was hysterical, crying, yeah. faking it, right, trying to get a reaction. Ed Troyer, I mean, come on, y'all, like the victimhood, mm. the the um, yeah. it just it's the when it is it's all performative. Mm-hmm. when they're talking about the persecution, right? Like they want their fair share, mm-hmm. what you were saying. Um, it just, it's um, a dangerous, dangerous narrative to be seeping into our society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. on, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, it, I know it's not related, but it, it, when you talk about that, it reminds me of like white folks who are like, well, I'm point zero 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 one percent Native American. You know, it's like <laughs> the need to like be part of something you're really not, but then like they really don't want it, but then they want when it looks cool. And back to the point about privilege. Um, anyway, I couldn't help but think about yeah, that additional it's, part. It's so like the desperate need to be seen as special and exceptional. Mm. And um, I think that that's also like a deep part of it is wanting to be like, yeah, seen as something special, not just one in a million. <laughs> <laughs> So Um, I think wrapping up this kind of segment, what do you think, I guess, this means for us after this conversation today? mm. I mean, what what do you think? What do we do with all this? Right. Like not just (laughs) giving information to just have it, but what do we do with it? I mean, besides go watch all these terrible videos on TikTok and all the reactions. I mean, I'm definitely spending more time with that the next few days. But the reactions are hilarious, by the way. People like reacting to it. But um, I think just being aware of it and paying attention to it and... um, and not just ignoring that that like happens and also critically thinking about why that is happening. Why is this rising in to like, why is this moving from the fringe into the mainstream? Why do we have a Marjorie Taylor Greene in Congress right now? Why, mm-hmm. um, like obviously y'all, that it means that there are hundreds of thousands of people that are mm-hmm. agreeing and believing. So just being mm-hmm. aware and and like keeping yourself accountable, keeping um, the people around you accountable. What do you think? Yeah. I think for me as somebody who identifies as a white person, I was going to say as a white, as a white person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Game of Thrones. <laughs> white walkers, by the way. I know people have talked about that before and other podcasts. Anyway, um, as a, a white woman who also identifies as Christian, I think part of it is just really being one, understanding that this, as much as I'm like, not all white people, not all Christians, not all whatever, I need to understand that that is still something that's happening and it's still adjacent, right? And then when I understand that it's adjacent, 
than responding, right? So thinking about ways that I can respond to people I know that might be susceptible to these kind of lies mm-hmm. <laughs> and and thinking about how do I respond and how do I have those conversations. Um, talking with, I have a number of friends who are um, Christians of color. And so talking about what does that mean in terms of the white evangelical church that's not welcoming, right? Because of this yeah. kind of ideology and like crap, you know, I think there's a lot of work to be done around that. And so, you know, for me, the challenge is, Understand that acknowledging it and then not trying to, you know, opt out, not trying to opt out and, and like separate mm-hmm. myself from it, but also just be open about that and, and still challenge it, like you said, um, mm-hmm. and keeping myself um, accountable and thinking reflectively about about these fringe groups. And, and I think I can't help but part of me thinks about like, what is the root of this for folks? You know, obviously white supremacy, but I also think um, and I don't want to sound like I am. Um, over empathizing with somebody, but I think about is the root of part of human nature. Like we want a sense of belonging. We want to feel special yeah. because we want to be loved and we want to be cared for. And that doesn't mean you listen to freaking Karen, you know, go whatever and like give her more attention. But I, I do think there's something to be said about that. So when I'm trying to bridge gaps with folks, I have to think about that and then try to like connect in that way. And I can, mm-hmm. I mean, I have so many people in my mind that I think about having known as a family member who I, not family member, sorry, but like grown up around or like know as related to my family. And I can think about, yeah, I think about that. Right. So I have to humanize them too, in order to Mm -hmm. like bridge that. But I think that's the work that I have to do. I'm not saying that anyone Mm -hmm. else has to do that work um, or should be put in that position um, to do that work. I also think creating counter narratives is really Mm. powerful. Um, that I, um, so I don't identify as Christian, but have a lot, I was um, raised Catholic and I have a lot of respect for the communities that are built in um, churches that are positive and powerful. And I, I just, I think that um, Christians creating counter narratives to the the fundamentalist Christians um, Mm -hmm. and putting that out there and being really vocal about that and creating a different narrative of Christianity right now in the mainstream, um, which I think there are, there's a lot of young people on the platform as well on TikTok that are, that identify as Christian that are pushing back. And, and I know that there's like this crisis in a lot of Christian, um, churches right now with older generations being upset with the younger Christians or people, younger generations leaving the church. Um, but I think that like creating counter narratives of like, that's not what we stand for and being really vocal about that. One podcast I'll recommend um, in that same vein, as you said, creating counter narratives is a podcast called Why Though? Um, it's two women on the West Coast. Um, one actually is in Tacoma. So of course I'm like, you know, shout out, trying to connect with um, yeah. connect with her. Anyway, they're fantastic. And that's that's the conversation that they're constantly having around um, race and, and, and um, sexism and just like institutional patriarchy and so on that happens in the Christian church. Um, and what does that mean for, for young folks or people who are trying to raise families in that faith um, as well? So yeah. link to that. So today we're not going to do champagne and real pain. We we're doing something different. Yes. Megan, what are you doing? So instead of our norm- normal champagne and real pain, we wanted to kind of celebrate the end of the school year with you and I being teachers and probably a lot of our listeners being educators. We're all probably familiar with that age old tradition of the yearbook superlatives, you know, like cutest couple, most school spirit, most likely to, you know, et cetera, 
et cetera. Um, so mm. we thought it would be fun to talk about some of our notable categories for the 2020-2021 school year. So these are our interchangeable white ladies podcast superlatives for the year. Interchangeable. White ladies. So you ready, Hope? Yes, ready? I'm ready. Okay. So we're going to start with one. Um, so we're going to start with the most meant to be couple. So most meant to be couple. I'm going to, I can go first. With yeah, because one. I had a really hard time coming up with Thanks. this. Listen, I, I so maybe mine's two. just the winner. We can do so. Um, my most you mentioned just couple winner. is is forty five. It's Trump and Merrick Garland, our current Attorney <laughs> General. I just think that they are meant for each other's lives. They have so much to talk about and catch up on. I just think that those two people are just a match made in heaven. So much interrogating that they could do, investigation into like their. Um, their relationship. I just think that like, I'm putting it into the universe the rest of the 2021 year that Mm. 45 and Merrick Garland will become very comfortable and familiar with each other. Hopefully. You know what? They have my vote. There you go. There it is. I'll throw my vote. There it is. Um, So next, next category is most likely to have a meeting when an email would suffice. Hello, any admin ever. Admin. No, that's my vote. Admin. Admin. (laughs) Hey, they Most win. likely to send that. Listen, um, I'll never forget my student teaching year when you you would like sing the jingle like it could have been an email <laughs> <laughs> after every single meeting. It <laughs> should have been an email. Well, yes. and this is the thing about like COVID, right? COVID yeah. pandemic teaching is like, yo, we learn. It wa- it could have been an email, and it, it was an email. an email, and it was better as an email. I don't and- know. If- Oh, go okay, ahead. Are we going to take this lesson? Like, this is my question, we're not, right? We're not. I'm going to tell you like, right now. Like, could have been an not. email over a Zoom meeting. Could have been a Zoom meeting. Um, no, like, I wonder, are we going <laughs> to, no, we're just going to revert back to in-person meetings. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next category, biggest sigh of relief. What was it? Okay. So for me, I mean, it's pretty easy when Biden won the election. I mean, him winning the election was the weight that came off of my shoulders. Mm. Yeah, I think that's pretty true for a lot of folks. I went with something a little bit um, more depressing or equally depressing. I don't know. Uh, Derek Chauvin. I never know how to say his last name. Chauvin, Chauvinist. I think Chauvinist. I want to say Chauvin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Actually being convicted of three charges. uh, I know like that breath went up sigh of relief and then also like obviously some different anxiety followed mm-hmm. after that because we know that that's not the final thing mm-hmm. um but I definitely I was like oh real oh oh okay for a moment for one mm-hmm. moment there which is a great one same right that was my um <clears throat> honorable mention okay so <laughs> now this one's gonna be this is tough I mean nowadays but this most really hard most problematic person most problematic person. Hope, what do you think? So um, obviously I'm going to go with some version of the most problematic people are uh, white people who feel safe acting antisocial in public. That's my category. That's that's my type of person. So there's a whole bunch of people <laughs> that fit in there. I didn't have just one yes. person. I know, right? I I was um just the, the And I don't mean like antisocial, like, oh, I don't want to have a drink at a party. Like, great, good for you. That's fine. I mean like don't wear masks, don't vax, all the stuff we've been talking about. That kind of that kind of yes. antisocial. I agreed. 
Um, because mine is that woman who started the trend of selling mesh face masks that weren't fully seat. Like they looked like a normal mask, but they were absolutely, um, just mesh and they were marketed as passing as a real mask. Um, just super problematic. And I think this pandemic, I don't even know what that means. Passing like you just have gauze on your face. Yeah. It's just gauze, (laughs) but they were like, listen, you can get away with it. Wink. And it's just awful. (laughs) awful um all right so next category biggest disappointment so i decided to go school district with this and i think in general and i don't mean like any particular school district but i will say big picture like school districts leadership slash education as an entity not actually using the pandemic to change anything meaningful back to the point about emails that could have been an email or announcements that could have been an announcement right like we know that the disparities that this pandemic emphasized or accentuated shine a light on more disparities that were already being talked about but you know whatever mm-hmm. more people are seeing them and still people are like oh cool and then just like proceeding as normal. Like, we're still going to have the same schedule. We're still going to do all the same thing. We still have the same grading. We're still going to like not feed kids. Like all the things that whatever the problems were, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, oh, we're still going to have standardized tests. What? Oh my gosh. The standardized anyway, testing. My, my category. Um, It's a good one. My Mine was the fact that I felt any moment of empathy or pride in Liz Cheney from the <laughs> Republican Party when she was removed from leadership. I hate that so much. The fact that they, the Republican Party is just acting so poorly that I felt any sort of pride in something that Liz Cheney did hurts my heart. It's such a big disappointment. Well, even when she was just, yeah, out there being like, here we go, people. And I'm like, yes, girl, let's go. And I'm like, whoa, really? Like, yeah, I I don't want to be on your team, Liz Cheney. I don't want to be on your team. But also. Yeah. But also because you said, hey, there's no evidence that this election was stolen. (laughs) Like, that is what it takes now, apparently. Okay, so the next category is so awkward. It is the most awkward moment. Okay, what is one of your most awkward moments from 2021? Oh, from the year. year. Um, So the fact that Bridgerton um, came out over the holidays and everybody who accidentally watched with their parents... Was that? Are you subtweeting yourself right now? Oh, sure did. Episode six (laughs) with my mother and sister. (laughs) No episode six oh no the most awkward moment of the school year i'm pretty sure most of our listeners know episode six was like could you even say it was soft porn i feel like it was more than soft it was more it was a category above it was (laughs) okay so right in my nomination for awkward moment definitely is when like i hadn't made it to that episode and i was talking about bridgerton in class and i was like oh yeah so great ha 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 and then like my teenagers were like, yeah, it's amazing. But they're like, you got to watch the rest of the season. And then I got to those episodes and I was like, oh, oh, no. Oh, what are they watching? Oh, my. Right. Or on the first day back from winter break, having my students ask me if I had seen Bridgerton. Like it's the awkward. <laughs> anyway, so. You're like, like, not only did Netflix, I see it, Netflix I watched it with my chose, grandma. Yeah, Netflix chose violence, putting that out over the holidays. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Okay, so our second to last category, the best warm blanket for when you need to escape reality because, you know, global pandemic traumas. Mm. Go ahead and go first since I've Yeah, so mine is 
the discovery of the show Ted Lasso. It is one of the greatest shows ever. It's on Apple TV. The second season is coming out on July 23rd. I have watched it and rewatched it so many times because it does. It feels like this really wonderful, warm blanket. feels like a warm hug. It's just so uplifting it's well-written. It's hilarious. It is so funny. Um, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's only like five and a half t- hours total to watch the entire first season. It's so, fantastic. Okay. My nominee, for those of you that know, you know, two words, bent cuppas. So that is a famous line from the show, Line of Duty. And if you know, you know. And if you don't know, you need to go turn on Netflix so that you can know. It's amazing. I've never watched it. Also, you might need need subtitles because it's in the UK and lots of different accents. And so it's English. But if you speak American English, you might not understand half of the things that are going on. Do you have an honorable (laughs) mention with that one I see maybe? (laughs) I do, but I think I might actually save it for my um, best. uh, Oh, okay. Okay. So our last and final uh, superlative is best thing on TikTok. So Hope, do you want to go first? Yeah. So I definitely want to say I'm really feeling at your pal underscore Austin. So a lot of you probably already know his stuff. And he just, I just love that. He's just like, he sings songs. He calls people on their BS. He says it how it is. And it's always like rainbows and mustaches, um, which sounds really weird, but it's fantastic. And then my honorable mention is at fraud BB. I think is how you say that handle. Mm-hmm. And this dude like explains scientific phenomenon in the most like easy to understand way, fair amount of F-bombs thrown in. But every time he's explaining it, you're like, that is wild too. And then he's got like great background. So, you know, nominee to him to it. That's awesome. So mine is just, I, I think, overall teacher TikTok. Like, um, for those of you that aren't on TikTok, you kind of get into these algorithms where very specific um, videos will pop up on your For You page and you see kind of the same type of categories, the better the app gets to know you. And so I've, I'm absolutely on teacher TikTok. Like I get very similarly minded teachers that one, have really compelling and fantastic videos and conversations around um, teacher strategies, standards-based grading, around culturally responsive teaching, trauma-informed classrooms. I know, like I'm getting into the jargon. Um, but also are really hilarious, really hilarious. There with, we like, go, stories there we go, bring it back. Students, bring it back. Stories about students and just like the hilarity of staff meetings and things like that. Uh, my honorable mention is this TikTok. Um, she is called Geo Desaurus. She is amazing. So she has like is receiving her PhD in like the Great Lakes, as well as like art. Um, (laughs) And she just has these amazing art installations about the history of the Great Lakes, but also the human impact on the Great Lakes. They're beautiful art installations where she has been like for years collecting Um, things on the shores of the lakes and then she displays them in really beautiful ways anyways I it the biggest nerding out with it ever Um, but she it's just fascinating to me and just it's really cool I like in the lamest way possible of describing it but just like there's no other way and she also then on her TikTok talks about like other um, geographic like anomalies and things like that it's really informative it's interesting and 
Fantastic. So our last segment is do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. All right. Since this episode was focused on TikTok, who is not a sponsor, but maybe should be, um, <laughs> I'm going to recommend. I talk about TikTok. them enough. <laughs> I know. That was going to be my um, runner-up nominee for um, Warm Blanket, but I'm just going to put it here instead. Homework. So I'm going to recommend a woman named Kathleen Cameron at Kath Does TikTok. And y'all, I don't even know how to explain it. This woman, I'm pretty sure is like a music teacher in elementary school because I don't, there's no other reason she does what she does. Um, but she plays the recorder to like different songs that people recommend. And so like, it'll play part of the song and she'll be like, Mm-mm, feeling herself, you know, you can kind of see. And she's just kind of standing there. And then all of a sudden she'll like pull up a recorder and start doing like a line along with the song. Sometimes it's a harmony, sometimes whatever. So picture, you guys know that Baker Street song? Dun, da, 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 da. Uh, if you're listening to Dave yeah. Ramsey, you probably know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that that opening song. Like she does that. She does Journey. I mean, she does everything. And it's so stinking funny and you just can't help but And then apparently there's also different kinds of recorders. Like she has a bass recorder. So she has different size recorders. One looks like a saxophone. I didn't even know this was a thing because I don't know that much about recorders apparently. She has them all and it's, <laughs> Well, why would you? It's really worth it. (laughs) Well, I played a recorder once in third grade and I played flute in middle school. (laughs) Oh, you were introduced to music. But I still, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hot cross buns. Yeah, we've all been there. (laughs) What about Um, you? Got some homework? That's a great recommendation. I'm going to stay on the uh, um, theme of TikTok. If you all, one, if you all are not on TikTok, I highly recommend downloading it. It is a time suck, but it's also... It really is, it's informative. It's not kids dancing, right? Like I don't see any of those videos of like teenagers dancing to songs at all. Um, but I've learned a lot on TikTok. Not a, not ashamed to say it. But also um, if you are on TikTok and are not following Bunny the dog, man, you need to. So Bunny actually lives in Tacoma. Her and her owners oh. live in Tacoma. Um, and it is this woman who has taught her dog to use the these buttons to talk. And they're partnered with this University of San Diego. Um, and literally Bunny puts together sentences. Um, they like have Question. conversations. Question. It is, yes. Is this a white woman? Absolutely. And she's like very, very um, typical Tacoma white woman, like kind of <laughs> alternative. But Excellent. like it's, I I Maybe have shown so to come on the show is all I'm going to say. Oh my gosh, I would love to. But she's been on like national TV. But it's a Tacoma native. They live on. Do you y'all know where it's like right by Point Defiance Park on like the Narrows Bridge side? That community that's down all of those like steps on the water mm-hmm. on the beach. Mm-hmm. I can't like those like houses on the stilts. I don't. Back I forget what now. that Salmon Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they live down there, and. So it's just, it's fascinating that the, this dog talks to, they have conversations and it's wild. Anyways, if you're not watching or following Bunny or like, if you don't have TikTok, just Google Bunny the dog in Tacoma. It is fascinating. Perfect. Well, I think we've talked people's ear off enough for tonight or this morning. Yes. Um, Thanks y'all for listening. Yes. Bye. Bye. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you.
But I actually have never posted my own TikTok because oh, I just oh. can't bring myself to it. I have not. Never. Yeah. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.